It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. This, this, this is, 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 is Fight Disciples. Welcome to podcast episode number 836, where the Fight Disciples, this is your MMA preview for the weekend coming up. We're back. That's right. The Apex in Las Vegas is the destination. Bit of British interest as well. We'll get stuck into all that in a moment. Please subscribe to us. That's right. Fightdisciples.com is our website. We're on Spotify, Google Play. We have Apple. However you want it in your ears, we'll give it you in your ears. Just make sure you hit the subscribe button so you never miss out on any of our content. And if you prefer to watch us, lunatics, uh, you can do via our YouTube channel. Fight Disciples is what you're looking for. We're trying to grow the community there and we're making more videos uh, about just general topics, whether it be boxing, MMA, whatever. Um, and you can come and join us and get stuck in. So please subscribe to us on our YouTube channel. We've got a bit of news, uh, which will come your way very, very shortly. In fact, I'll save one bit of news till the end, because during this program, uh, we're recording this late Tuesday night, so you're consuming this on a Wednesday. Apologies if you've already received a Dana White video. He's probably been up, Annie, nice and early, revealing his, uh, his main event for UFC 300. We'll touch upon that in a minute. One thing that I wanted to touch upon at the start of the show before we uh, get stuck into everything, you may have seen this uh, from the California State Athletic Commission's main man, Andy Foster. Spoke about him on the show on many, many occasions. Uh, if you remember a couple of weeks, a couple of weeks ago, one week ago, no, yeah, there was no UFC last weekend, so the weekend before, when um, Arnold Allen fought Mosvar Evloev, we were talking about knees, illegal knees, what constitutes a grounded opponent, all these types of stuff. So Andy Foster has obviously reacted to that. This is the beautiful thing about mixed martial arts. When they get stuff wrong, when there's ambiguity, when there's confusion with rules, as there was in that particular moment, and God bless Mark Goddard, he was the one that was right across it and had it absolutely nailed. Whereas commentators were all over the place, people like me, who were working to a different set of rules compared to the ones that were in Ontario on that particular evening were all over the place. Andy Foster from the California State Athletic Commission, the geezers that put uh, the rule sets together, has come out and said, listen, it's too confusing. So what we're going to be doing, we're going to change that rule to what a grounded opponent actually is. Because what we can't have is a geezer on his feet, bending over and putting his hand on the deck to constitute being a grounded opponent. So that is no longer, well, it's not gone through as of yet, but this is what he's proposing. So he's going to be proposing that you have to have uh, another part of your body. So your back, your elbow, your knees, your shins, your forearms, that is got what is now going forward, going to constitute a grounded opponent. You can no longer, if this goes through, it hasn't has of yet, 
You can't have uh, two feet on the mat, bent over, and just touching with one hand in order to try and give the impression that you are a grounded opponent. There has to be uh, more obvious ways of constituting that you are grounded. So that rule is set to change off the back of the uh, confusion with Arnold Allen and Mosvar Evelyn. Which is great. That's the beauty of this sport is that, right, okay, wait a sec. That's confusing for everyone. Okay, we'll, make it, we'll change it. If only we could do that with boxing mm. and some of the and the and the disagreements there over how to actually the clarity and the criteria to actually score a fight. Imagine if we're over there, we could just go. You know what? Let's all just score a fight the same way, and then people can understand it better. So well and done to, the, uh, well and done the, to the, California the, State. Yeah. Well, the beautiful thing about it is, he's come out and done an interview. He's come out and had a chat. He's come out yeah. and had a conversation. Addressed it. Uh, yeah, and. It, I think the one that I, he might have done multiple, but the one I've saw was with Ariel. So Ariel's asking him questions about X, Y, and Z, and he's answering them. He's not shying behind jurisdiction and, oh, yeah, we've yeah. got to back this and we've got to back that. No, man, I've acknowledged there's something wrong there. Okay, we're going to try and fix it. This is what I'm proposing. It's not fixed yet, but this is what I'm proposing at our next AGM. And fingers crossed we can get that new rule in. So yeah. transparency, conversation, stop hiding behind stuff, release your scorecards. That's all I'll say. <laughs> that, that's a boxing gag. All right. That's nothing to do with MMA. That's a boxing one. We'll get to that a little uh, later on in the uh, in the week, no doubt. Uh, Apex, you know how we feel about Apex. It is what it is. Uh, we're being told that there's going to be less Apex shows coming up. And as we have a look at Yay! the schedule, as we have a look at the schedule, there are events, fight night events booked into arenas, which is good. Um, the UFC back out on the road in local areas, bringing out the local fans to celebrate the local fighters. That's what we all want to see. Um, now, this main event at the weekend. I'm interested uh, in this, but I'm also confused by it. Now, the reason why I'm a little bit confused by it is Roman Delidze taking on Nazruddin Imavov, right? Now, on paper, if you were just to look at records, you'd look at him and go, oof. Delidze's just got beat off the Tory. They tried to make him a couple of fights. They've fallen off. All right, okay, cool. Right, yeah, yeah, I get that, I get that. Imovov, oof, he's not going to win on his records since September 22. Right, okay, yeah, this makes perfect sense. Right, let's see if we can get these boys rocking and rolling. Delidze's currently eight. Imovov's currently 11. Yeah, makes a perfect lot of sense. Makes a perfect lot of sense. But I look at the Roman Delidze performance against Marvin Vittori and I think to myself, he won that fight. He got stiffed. <laughs> he got stiffed. He had a, and there's something happened with Roman Delizzi. The switch is finally, something's yeah. dropped Big time. because there were a period of time where you're watching him and you're thinking, I can see it, but he ain't, do it. he ain't doing it. Now he's doing it. And he was so unlucky not to get the decision against Marvin Vittori because that fight propels him towards top five. And I know that. UFC top boys actually felt like that because they tried to pair him a couple of times with Jared Cannonier at the back end of last year and it didn't come off. So for him, Roman Delizze to take this ranked 11, Nazruddin Imovov, I think there's a bit of risk in this because Imovov's a really good fighter. Um, yeah. I think he's had his career stalled a touch. Like I said, he hasn't had a win since September 22. He has got a loss on there. He had that weird no contest last year. So he's yeah. going to be looking. This is an opportunity for him. He's got a shot at a number eight. Start your 2024 off with a bit of a bang. delidze has got a lovely bit of heat on him. Go and do your thing. I think I actually think as a matchup, it's a great fight. 
I just think from a Delizze point of view, oh, I thought that you might have been able to get a top six or a top fiver. Yeah, but as you said, he tried to do it. And the yeah. top sixes yeah, or the top fivers aren't about it, biting. And Delizze's probably like, listen, man, don't let me don't let me quell on that loss. Get me out. I want I want to get back out there. He was four and zero going into that Vittori fight with three performance bonuses as well. So he was flying, as you say. We were like, something's click with Roman Delizzi. It looks like he's coming for the belt. Then he does suffer from a bad points decision against Vittori. That was in London last March. Yeah. We were ringside for that. And it's about him wanting to get going again. And we're 11 months in. And no matter what the UFC have been trying to do, it hasn't come off. So it's got to the point where he's like, listen, man, just get me the fuck out. If you want me to... St-. And, I, and I think they've looked at it and gone, okay, January last year, we started the year with a middleweight apex main event where we put Imamov in with Sean Strickland. And Sean Strickland beat Imamov yeah. and it lit the blue touch paper. And by nine months later, he was UFC champion. Roman, following his footsteps, we're going we're gonna to lay it out the same way. If you beat Imamov, you'll get another fight in the summer and then you'll be right in the mix. So I, I just think it's a way of going, right, Roman... We're getting you out. You may have met the apex. They ticked that box along the way. Okay, it's not the top five that you wanted, but you know whether you like it or not, you are still coming off a loss. So you beat a guy from below. Then we look forward, and I think Roman Delidze is well placed to come through. I think Imamov is a very talented fighter. Don't get me wrong; they've got very similar records: twelve and two for for Delidze, yeah. and twelve and four for Imamov. But Imamov started in the UFC like house on fire. He went like four. He won four of his first five. He beat like. Knocked out Shabazian. Hey, we saw him in Paris. He was awesome. Buckley. Yeah, in Paris, he was absolutely insane. But last year was a disaster for him. He lost mm-hmm. to Sean Strickland in January. And then he had the clash of heads with Chris, with Chris Curtis in June. So, again, from Imamov, he's like, mate, come on. Give me a big fight. Give me an opportunity. So, I think both of them, go, I think it's a really tasty main event. I think both of them go in going, right, I win this. I can do a Strickland. If Strickland can do it, I can do it. If if you're Delidze, right, who'd you call out? Strickland. Oh. Oh yeah. Didn't think call that. him out. Because yeah. I was thinking I was thinking in my head, call out Hamza. But Strickland's the one. Call out Strickland, man. Strickland needs an opponent. Strickland needs a comeback fight. Mm. And you the problem with calling out Ham, Hamza is Hamza's like the unicorn, isn't he, in the division? Because yeah, one. He may never be seen again. Two, if he, he might just come back and go straight into a title fight. Yeah. Or three, whatever you say about Hamza is superseded what by what Hamza says. So you could scream and shout and go, bring me Hamza yeah. Chemayev. Hamza does one interview and he goes, I want Sean Strickland. No one's talking about Roman Delidze. Yeah, fair enough. If I was him, I'd go, right, Strickland started here last year and got the title. Bring me Strickland next. I want the title. And Strickland's the type of a fighter that'll go, mate, I'll fight anyone anywhere. It's a good shout. Former champ. Go and get the Strickland fight. Yeah, fair play. It's got to get through Imovov, though, at the weekend. It's going to be a good one. Uh, Roman Dillard's a big fan of him. Looks like Sparta. He's got the full airy chest. He's got the beard. He's got the full it, mate. He's got the full it. He's gone. He, uh, Jared, what's proper, his name? A proper man's man, isn't he? Full of testosterone. What's his name in 300? Sparta. Jared Butler. He's full, he's, full, he's the real he's the real deal though. Jeff yeah. was probably all CGI. You know what I mean? This guy well, yeah. that's his own hairy chest. That that's not added later. Hair by hair, follicle by follicle. That's Roman yeah. Delidze's own hairy chest. That. 
Yeah. Roman Delizzi is the type of fella that if he's cutting onions, he probably, hey, Tia, get back in there. Tia goes back in his eye. Don't you dare. <laughs> oh, man. Love uh, Comain is uh, Renato Moicano. Everybody's falling in love with him, mainly because of his podcast, his interviews, and his post-fight uh, antics. He's a very one-dimensional fighter. Let's not mess about with this. He's taking on Drew Dober, who likes to knock people out. If Hinato Moicano leaves his chin in the sky, it's going to get spat around that octagon. Um, he's got one thing in his mind and one thing only. He wants to get his hands on Drew Dober and he wants to grapple. Drew Dober's a very capable grappler, though. So it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Uh, Moicano's best opportunity in this fight is to take it to the mat and let his jiu-jitsu do its talking. Uh, but Drew Dober, yes, okay. He ran into Matt Favola, right? And that was just, it's just a shootout. It, it was like, uh, exactly. it was just like the Wild West, man. Like they've come exactly. out, they've come out and they've just gone, yeah, yeah. Like, let's Shoot. go by and let's have it. Let's have it. And he just got on the wrong end of a left hook. That's it. Um, so Trudeau is not going to change. He's going to come out and he's going to look for the exact same thing now. His takedown defense has got to be spot on. If it is, Hanato Moicano has got to be very clever to at last 15 minutes on the feet with this kid. <laughs> and I don't know if he can. But yeah. I've seen stranger things in an MMA octagon. Yeah, and he can and and, and he knows how to he knows his way around the octagon Moicano as well. You know, he's he's okay, he's had high profile losses the likes of Aldo and Fazeev and RDA and people like that, but he's got wins over like Calvin Cater, Cubby Swanson, Jai Herbert, of course. Good strikers. Uh, but, That's the point Riddell. that you're making there, isn't it? Good yeah, strikers. Good, He's managed exactly. to nullify him. Exactly. You know, Brad Riddell uh, in yeah. November. The only thing for, for Moicano is we didn't get a fight out of him last year. He had one fight arranged, and that was with Armand Sarukian, and he got injured, and he pulled out of that fight. And Armand Sarukian, as we know, marched on and is now a top mate, contender. That's because his, his podcast business has gone through the roof, mate. Yeah, He's no, cracking yeah. jokes on the that's internet. The he ain't asked about fighting in front of us. Exactly. <laughs> But you're right, Drew Dober is what he is, man. He, he looks like Desperate Dan. He fights like Desperate Dan. Mm. Big square jaw, big square fists. He's an Abercrombie and Fitch model, isn't he? That's what he looks like, man. Bingo. Surfboard in his hand. <laughs> big Johnny Bravo chin on him. That's it, yeah. mate. Chisel. Just eats beef jerky, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. One of them type of fellas. He's, but he's, listen, he's got Drew a lot Dober of mates. For, I bet he's got a lot of mates like Stifler. He, yeah. he knocks about with people like Stifler. That's <laughs> Drew Dober, doesn't he? No, he is Stifler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stifler friends. Yeah, Drew Dober is Stifler. But he's got the most knockouts in lightweight history. He's got yeah. nine knockouts. He's, just, he's tied with Tony Ferguson and Cowboy with 10 for the most finishes. There you go. He's got one submission in there as well. So he is an absolute wrecking machine, but he can be figured out. You've just got to stay away from those heavy hands. Yeah. Uh Rude Boy's back. Rude Boy, Randy, Randy Brown taking on Muslim Salikov. This fight was originally scheduled for... Uh, December fell off uh, because of uh, illness, but they're back uh, at the start of February for this one. Listen, I'll, I'll be dead honest about it. I'd, I'm not anticipating a firecracker. Randy Brown is more of a distance fighter. He's a bit safe in the way that he's good. He's technically good. He's yeah. just safe in his approach. And Muslim Salikov is, I think, easy to pick off. He's win one, lose one, really. If you were if you were going to say right, put five quid on this fight, I'd say Randy Brown decision. Hope I'm wrong. Hope I'm wrong. Yeah, I think last time he said the King of Kung Fu, um, he was 
well managed by Nicholas Dalby. It was a, a great win for Nicholas hey. Dalby, don't get me wrong, but it, he was well comfortably managed by... And all Randy Brown's got to do is look at that, look at how Dalby handled him yeah. and do something similar. It's a, it's a very strange fight, to be honest with you. Hmm. It's a strange fight. It's a bit of a... Huh, Type fight in it. Root boy Randy Brown's been around forever. Muslim Salakov is about sixty-five years of age. Yeah, it's a strange fight. Um, and and this is this is slightly strange as well because you've got Kizliev against Muradov. Muradov similar to what I've just been saying about win one, lose one, all over the place. And then you've got Kizliev, right? It comes into the UFC via contender series in uh, in 2020. So we're... in 1994. <laughs> Mate, so what are we? Like three and a half years in now since exactly. he came through the fucking contender series. He's had one fight. He had a year off. <laughs> came through contender series, had a year off. But go on then. I'll have a bit of a go in 2022. Makes his debut. Subs a fella in best part of seven minutes. Fucks off for 2023. Doesn't We don't see him again. And now this is his second, it's only his second fight in the UFC. He's undefeated. He's had one fight in the UFC, but undefeated in his martial arts record. Um, uh, everybody tells us when we took, when you mention him, oh, hey, he's oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, so, yeah. When's he going to fucking fight or what? I don't know. <laughs> well, he's here. He's here this weekend. Uh, so, Alice Kebab, uh, Kizriev taking on Mahmoud Muradov. M- Muradov's all over the place. You don't know what Muradov's turning up at the weekend. If the good yeah. one turns up, we could have a cracking fight on our hands. But I would imagine that Kizriev's probably going to navigate this relatively easy and then fuck off till 2025. That's it. Yeah, probably, yeah. That's what he'll do. I'm sure the last time we talked about Kizriev on this show, we were like, oh, there's this mega young prospect come through Dana White's contender series. Like he's 20-something years of age, blah, blah, blah. How old is he now? He's fucking 33 now. He's got three, <laughs> he's got four kids at home and everything. You know what I mean? It's like, come on, the black wolf. Jesus Christ. He's uh yeah, it'd be nice to actually see him get active. Listen, you're right. He did go through Dana White's contender series back in 2020 with like a one minute, 50 second KO submission. Make a choke. And we were all like, this is the guy. Okay, let's go. And in his defense, he has had six scheduled fights cancelled with the UFC. But there's a common denominator there, Nicholas. To be honest, he pulled out most times. Do you know what I mean? He pulled out of pretty much all of those fights. So, yeah. It's impossible to know how good this guy actually is because he just doesn't fight often <laughs> enough. He's 14 and 0 with nine finishes, five knockouts, and four hey, submissions. Have you do you know what he reminds me of? Do you remember? Um, have you heard that story about the Kaiser in football? Oh, what a story that is. The Kaiser. It's an yeah, amazing yeah. story, yeah. isn't it? So the Kaiser Brazilian footballer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's basically the mates. He's just mates of a lot of elite dudes. And wherever these elite guys go, they take him along and part of their contract. And we're talking like top guys like Bebeto and Romario and Eduardo, all the Brazilian lads from the 1990s. Yeah, Kaiser's got to come along. Listen, he's good for the dressing room. He's a bit of a party boy. Everybody loves him him being around. Sign him up. Sign him up, put him on good money. And then when they actually try to play him in a match, he does something mad like gets sent off whilst he's on the subs bench or something like that in order to prevent actually going out and performing. That's what this fella's doing. Kizriev, right? Everybody thinks... Fucking hell, Kaiser must be good because he's mates with such and such a body. He's this, that, and the other. No, he's never been beat. But when it actually comes to throwing down and having a scrap, some nah, not for me. Not for me this week. I'm uh I'm off on my holidays today. Mate, he is the Kaiser of MMA, Kizriev. Yeah. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the icon of vacations. Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Uh, Top of the prelims, featured prelims. Bit of British interest here for you, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Meatball Molly McCann in a rematch. And this is interesting as to how this has come about with uh, Diana uh, Belbita. First one took place at 125 in Boston. Now we're doing it at 115 at the apex. And that is the interesting narrative for me in this fight. Meatball, Molly McCann, down from 125 to 115 pounds. We've seen her recently. She looked great. She looked like she's been doing it properly. Taking it gradually to get down to this particular point. It's going to be interesting to see what the cut's like this week and how she performs come Saturday night. Could be an exciting time. If she gets it right, and I think the matchmaking's good from a psychological point of view, because she's already beaten this kid, so she knows that she's got the girl's number. Belbita, with all due respect to her, she's only got two wins in the UFC. The first time that she, when she fought Molly, yes, it was her debut. I get, I get that I completely. Get that. She has come down in weight. She lost last time to an elite fighter in Carolina Kobukevich. Mm-hmm. I think technically Molly's better than her. I just do, and. Uh, Come at me for bias, whatever you want to say, right? She is. It's just, does 115 suit Molly? If it does, ooh, might have a bit of fun here. Yeah. Just just speaking to Molly last week before she flew out there and obviously seeing pictures of her all over the social media, training at the, uh, training at the PI over the last 24, 48 hours. She looks incredible. You know, and it's something we've spoken about on this show many times. We've spoken about even on TNT Sports. Is Molly in the right weight division? Is she is she just naturally heavy set, or can she get that little bit of beef off by changing her lifestyle and getting down to 115 pounds? Where for the first time in her career, she won't be just little tough meatball. She'll be average sized meatball, lean and mean meatball. Five percent, and she five percent meatball <laughs> that's exactly. It, yeah, that's 5% it, beef. That's it. She's been on fifteen percent, mate. Now we're on five percent. The proper she stuff. She looks great. She looks fantastic and she's had to change her life and she owes it to herself to change her life, to make those decisions, to to stop drinking, to stop eating certain foods, to to live the life of a professional athlete. And hopefully she reaps the rewards this weekend, as you say. The Bell Beats going back in with Bell Beater makes sense for Molly mm. because that sense of, well, I beat you once and I'll beat you again because I'm much better now than I was back then. But also there's the element for Bell Beater to go, well, I know what you... <clears throat> what you bring. I know what your strengths are. You won't have changed your game that much. Meanwhile, I've gotten better. I'm more established because she's been at 115 for the last couple of years where this obviously is Molly's 115 debut. So I think it's going to be an interesting fight. You know, Molly's been at 
when you when you've been in with Blanchfield and Stolyarenko in your last two fights, you know they they're really really talented grapplers. I think Big coming hands. back coming down to one fifteen, which we could probably argue should always have been Molly's proper weight class, and taking on someone like Belbita who is a natural striker as well. I think this one's going to suit Molly, and hopefully she can make a bit of a statement. Mate, the exciting thing for me is right if Molly looks good, feels good, camp goes well, fight goes well. Because because of her name, she can actually attract some fights that would capture a lot of imagination. The karate hottie. You could, you know, you could legitimately make that. You could legitimately yeah. make Karolina Kobolkevich. You yeah. know what I mean? These types, and I'm talking next. I'm not saying we don't have to Absolutely. wait for those types of fights. You can make those fights next. So if everything goes well this week, Manchester, middle of the year. Molly back against uh, the Karate Hottie. A top 15 strawweight, absolutely. Hey, it could work. It could work. Uh, so, yeah, fingers crossed everything goes well for uh, this weekend. Your one to watch is on this. Oh, now we're talking. Go on. Now we are talking. As at Maxum, <clears throat> people will remember the first show, the start of the year. We always do our ones to watch for the year. Keep your eye on this guy, this guy. We pick... Excuse me, one each in boxing and one each in MMA. And my choice for the UFC this year was Azat Maksum, the Kazakh flyweight. That's right. You know, after jumping into bed with Shavkat, he's my best mate. I am fully in on the Kazakh power and the Kazakh team now. And uh, Azat is out this weekend. He's already 17-0. He's got 11 finishes in those 17 wins. He outpointed Tyson Nam last summer on his UFC debut. Okay, it was a split decision. That was it. That was Octagon Jitters. That we're going to see the real Azat the Kazakh this weekend against Charles Johnson at the Apex. Johnson, of course, was doing was doing well. Was a solid veteran, a solid contender in this division until he ran into our little our little Momokhev. Mm. And since then, he's really struggled to put it together. He's coming into the fight on the back of three defeats. I expect that to be four defeats come Sunday morning because Azat Maksum is on the march. Very, very talented fight. And who knows? Maybe not this year, maybe not the year after, but at some stage, Azat and our little Mo could well have a massive showdown in the flyweight division. You heard it here first. Maybe even for the title. That's how good he is. Um, have you Are you watching Mo on Instagram at the moment, by the way? I am, yes. He's uh, out Those there with our, Well, he's out there with our mate James. Uh Raptors out there with his camera. He's gone out to film and do a bit of work with uh, Mo Mochev, but obviously James Rolls. He does he does a bit of jujitsu in there, and he's uh, yeah. he's progressing quite nicely. So obviously, your, your kid from Manchester's out there as well, isn't he? They're all out there, mate. Every man and his blooming dogs out there. So uh, they've managed to persuade James to get on the mat and have a little bit of a roll. Great experience rolling with Mohammed Mochev, and. Uh, there was a little bit of tip that was revealed yesterday that James managed to get Mohammed into a submission situation. And because they were rolling, just free flowing, Moore did naturally tap to move the move the thing on. The cameraman then flagged up. Oh, did James just make you tap there? Mo admitted it. And then for the next 10 minutes, beat the shit out of him. <laughs> <laughs> of course he did. Exactly. Yeah. What I'll let you, you be aggressive. I'll be aggressive. I'll let you be aggressive. Oh, you got me in a nice hole there. Yeah, go on. Tap, tap, tap. Next. He goes, did you make him tap? 
right, what is this? <laughs> and, and then that was it. He absolutely smashed him all around Tiger Mutai. Brilliant stuff. Good Never experience, again. Jimmy. Go on, lad. Enjoy yourself. Yeah. Um, to finish off, um, like I said, by the time you watch this podcast, Dana's probably dropped yet another video saying, main event, it's done, everybody. Um, here's my question. UFC 300 main event. I'm going to give you two options. You ready? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Conor McGregor, Michael Chandler. Conor McGregor, Nate Diaz, three. Chandler. Tell Chandler. me why. Tell me why. I don't know. Maybe it's a maybe it's some kind of allegiance to Michael Chandler because I really like Michael Chandler as a person and everything else. And I just feel like he did the tough season. Like he, he's due it. He's been lined up for it. He's been told he's getting it. I think to now flip flop and to do a Nate Diaz would come a little bit out of left wing. I think it would tell us everything we need to know about where Connor's at right now if he does Nate Diaz. I think Nate Diaz is the safer option. Whereas I think Michael Chandler's a little bit more dangerous because Michael Chandler's been active, been you know, and is a bit of a gym rat. Not that, not that Nate isn't a gym rat, obviously, but you know, Nate's like he's got quite a lackadaisical approach. Whereas Michael Chandler sees nothing but pound signs, dollar signs when he looks at Conor McGregor, um, and I think he'll be a lot more motivated. So I think in terms of Conor, if they if they make the Nate Diaz fight. Then I think Connor is now absolutely in the realms of the BMF kind of, you know, showpiece fights where if he comes back and beats Michael Chandler, okay, Michael Chandler's a ranked guy. Michael Chandler's a contender. Regardless of what weight division you do it at, 185 or whatever mentalness they're talking about, you're still beating a guy ranked in one of the weight divisions, which could also which could put you in a conversation to go, well, it's fucking Connor, he's fighting for the title, shut up. And we all go, okay, fair enough. But as they come back and beat Nate Diaz, you go, what, you dug Nate Diaz up? So, don't get me wrong. I'll take either. I will take either. Do you, th- do you think it will be Connor? I think it has to be, doesn't it? I think right now, looking at it, it has to be. From what I, from what I can gather from Tom Aspinall, they've they've offered Stipe Maiochis the Tom Aspinall fight, and I think that would have been UFC 300 main event. Main oh, event, yeah. oh, Eliminator. Yeah. John Jones sitting cage side. This is it. But Stipe turned it down. Stipe are you, turned are it you down. surprised? <clears throat> Nobody can be surprised that Stipe turned it down, though, can they? Stipe, listen, Stipe's been retired for a long time. Stipe is in a frame of mind where it's the big cash out. So he wants to make as much money as possible. And I think he makes more money fighting John Jones. And there's far more. There's far more on the line. If he beats John Jones, then he's set forever. Then he's part of the conversation. If he comes back and beats Tom Aspinall, guess what? You've now got to go and do another fight camp and fight John Jones. And I don't think Stipe wants that. I don't think he mm-hmm. wants to be a contender. I don't think he want. I think he's coming back for one reason only: the money against John Jones, combined with the legacy. If you were to upset the apple cart and get a win. So I'm not surprised that he turned it down. From a fan's perspective, from a Tom Aspinall perspective, I'm devastated because I'd rather see Tom Aspinall fight John Jones with all respect to Stipe. You've been retired a long time, sir. Uh, you're the most successful heavyweight we've ever had in the UFC. I ducked the cap at you. You are a legend. But you're retired, and you're retired for a reason. Your time is gone. It's a new era now. And I want to see the new era fight the previous era before the previous era rides off into the sunset. 
What's your gut instinct regarding the main event at UFC 300? What do you think it's going to be? Do you think it will be Conor? Because he, like, initially we've been told that it's going to be International Fight Week for Conor, don't we? But yeah. he's made that, started to make real noise in the last seven days on his social media, 300 deal breaker. We, I've seen a, an interview that Michael Chandler did recently where he's talking about, I'm down for 300, I'm ready to go. I'm in the gym, I'm ready to go, man. It feels like, and the, I, I, I just want to flag this up, right? Because I, I, you, sometimes you go online and you see people just getting stuck in to the 300 card and calling it out and all right, shit. So you need, you need McGregor to save it. Well, hang hang on. Let's just, let's just process that properly. So 300 is on April 13th. Where is it? Here it is. Right. As it stands right now, your opening prelim is Andrade versus, uh, what's it? Uh, Rodriguez, mm-hmm. <clears throat> a title contender against a former champion. Your your opening prelim, yeah. the first fight of the night. That's what it's scheduled down for. Now, you you look at the whole card, and maybe people come at it and they say, "Well, where's the star value?" The fights are the star value. The matchups, the quality of the matchups. Look at the quality of the matchups. Justin Gaethje's fighting Max Holloway. Charles Oliveira's fighting Armin, Armin Sarukian. Yuri Prohachki's having a go with Alexander Rakic. Calvin Cater, Aljamain Sterling debut in a new weight division. Davison Figueredo is fighting Cody Garbrandt for fuck's sake. This, the matchmaking is absolutely crackers. Bobby Green, Jim Miller. It's absolutely nuts. Now, okay, I get it. You don't have your Brock Lesnar. You don't have your John Jones. You don't at the moment have your Conor McGregor. Does it need it? Is my point. Does it right now? Does it need it to to I really so. solidify how 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 good that card is? I think so. Just because of the the history of the UFC 100 and UFC 200, and okay, 200 was ultimately hampered by by a, a late rearrangement of fights, so we ended up with a. With a, Misha t- uh, a main event, which wasn't the original planned main event, but still, you know, because Brock was on there, because those big names were on there, then absolutely you would expect the biggest fighter, the biggest name in the sport to feature. Obviously, 200 was before Connor's time, so before Connor's peak. If there's a chance of getting Conor McGregor inside an octagon this year, priority one for me should be UFC 300, because mm. UFC 100 should be the biggest event this year. In a, in the in my eyes, because that's a big anniversary event, it only comes around every five or six years or whatever it is. Whereas International Fight Week, we get that every single summer. I know it's a big event, and I know it's huge. The UFC, I know that's their biggest pay per view driver of the year, but still, UFC three hundred must stand for something historically. The anniversary event. I think they've got to roll. They've got to try and push as hard as they can. Will you be disappointed? Okay, I'll rephrase that because he's a mate of ours. Do you think fans will be disappointed if they announce the main event is Leon versus Bilal? I think it'll get backlash, yeah. I think it'll get because, backlash. Because UFC 298 and UFC 299 have got bigger stars than UFC 300's main event. Volk 298, yeah, Sean star. O'Malley 299. Yeah. Big, big, yeah. 299's card and 298's card is ridiculous. 
Well, they're just looking at 299. 299's card now with, with, with Sean O'Malley in the main event, Dustin Poirier, Benoit Saint-Denis, Kevin Holland versus Michael Page making his debut, <laughs> Gilbert Baines versus Jack Della Maddalena, hmm. Peter Yan versus Song Yidong. That's just the, that's just the main card. You've got mm. Gamrot versus RDA on there as well. You've got Curtis Blades versus Jake Almeida on there as well. So if they put, so if three hundred drops Connor and Chandler, is it the, is it the greatest card that you've ever seen? <laughs> um, Mate, I don't know. On. Come, it's on. very, 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 very good. It's right up there, isn't it? Yeah, it's right up there. Yeah, absolutely. But it should be. It's UFC three hundred. I don't know if it's going to be, you know. I don't know if it'll be. No. I've just got a feeling that... I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm massively wrong. I th- I think something left field's going to come. Something's happening this week, isn't it? You've seen the social media. You've seen that they've started to ramp up. They wouldn't be dropping yeah. that social media if they didn't think that they're going to be dropping something this week. Yeah. It's getting to that time, man, that I need to see that Billy Strutt once again. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. The original Billy Strutter as well. There's a lot of a lot of people try and do it, and no one quite pulls it off. I want to see if Big Connor can pull off the Billy Strutt with those huge, big Robin Tutelli's arms that he's got now. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, before anyway. you sign off, I just want to do a quick shout out to <clears throat> the team at Octagon. Octagon did a show in Newcastle at the weekend. I would love to have been there. I went to the last UK show, which was in Manchester. That was pretty awesome. The show in Newcastle at the weekend, I watched it. The main card was brilliant. Aaron Abbey, who's been on this show, he's been on Fight Disciples. He had a fantastic win on there. Uh, Jonas Magard won in the main event against Jack Cartwright. That fight had a lot of momentum behind it. But the big talking point, of course, was the co-main event. Matej Penez, the middleweight, became the first fighter. Press pro to stop Matthew Bonner. That was a massive statement from the Czech. The Czech middleweight, who? Middleweight, who has got an 83-inch reach. That's only an inch shorter than John Jones's reach. John Jones is 84.5, I think it is. This kid's got an 83-inch reach, and he's a middleweight. There's a picture that went viral at the weekend with the weigh-ins, and he's standing on the scales with one finger in the air, Alan Shearer style. And it looks like it's been photoshopped. His arm just like disappears, goes through the ceiling lights and everything. It, his reach is absolutely ridiculous. But yeah, Mate Panaji was the star of uh, Octagon at the weekend. And if you are going to MMA this year and maybe you can't get to the UFC, keep an eye out for Octagon because their shows, honestly, the one in Manchester was great. And this yeah, one it was. looked just as good. Mm, there you go. Uh, UFC back this weekend at the Apex. Keep across that uh, in the early hours of Sunday morning and keep across uh, all our social media channels because the minute that Dana White video drops, baby, we're going to be all over it like pigs in shit. You know how we roll. Uh, so make sure you're across it. It's probably already dropped even before the show, but it is what it is. Hopefully you've enjoyed the program. And if you have, make sure you subscribe. You can do it uh, via our website. All the audio feeds under the sun are there, fightdisciples.com, and we're on youtube so if you prefer to watch it and you're watching it right now don't just tick off don't just clear off hit the subscribe button you'll never miss out on any of our content uh coming your way so go and get stuck in fight disciples on youtube thanks for tuning in we'll catch you next time thank you for listening if you like what you heard subscribe via itunes ah mm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. 
Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com.